0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. We have a wonderful crowd today and several are visiting with us and so we want to welcome our visitors and Tell you how happy we are to have you in our midst. Thank you for coming and being with us. Some of you have driven a good distance. So we're very delighted to be with you and to have you with with us. We we began this congregation some five years ago. And uh, when we started the congregation, our goal was to get it just as close to the church that you could read about in the New Testament as we could get it. In other words, we wanted to restore new testament christianity we wanted to put a footprint down in this area to have a church that follows the bible as close as we can possibly follow it and we agreed that we would be people of the book that we would follow whatever the book says regardless of whether it's popular or not when we started the congregation there were a lot of practices that we could have added that churches of christ today have One of them was a Sunday school system, a Bible class system, and when we started uh, the congregation, we said no classes, no women teachers, that we will not practice this. When we started the congregation, we said we will not have one man to be our preacher, our minister, that we will do our own teaching, that we will train our speakers, that we will mutually edify each other. And those were a couple of things that we left off. Now when you go to most churches of Christ, you'll find a class system with women teachers, you'll find a, a fellow that's called the minister of the congregation and he preaches about every service. Every service where they uh, where they have preaching. He's their preacher, he's their minister. And we chose not to do this, not to try to save money, although it does save money. But uh, before long, I want to teach on that particular subject, why we don't use the one-man preacher system, and that's likely going to come up this next month. I'll do a, either a one-part or a two-part on that, and we'll do a very extensive study of it, and the reason that we want to do that is because our children, especially our children, need every now and then, every few years, they need to hear these topics discussed, it's been my uh, practice for a long time that every two or three years or so, and, and uh, not much further away from that, we talk on the class system or we talk on the preacher system, whereas our kids grow up in different stages, say from nine years or 12 years or, or they're on up to 15 or 18. In the course of several times during their lifetime, they've heard these controversial subjects discussed. And they've had an opportunity to to be taught and to form strong conviction on these issues. And if we don't teach on these things, we'll we'll lose the church in a generation or so to uh, false practices and false teaching. And uh, so we want to be always aware of that. And, you know, I'm not always going to be with you here. And I would say to you younger men that are teaching every now and then, you need to teach on these things, these things I'm covering today. For the last couple of Sundays, I have uh, taken the subject of Bible classes and women teachers. We're doing this on the internet, incidentally, on Wednesday evenings. I started last Wednesday. This Wednesday will be part two, and then we'll probably, if we need it, we'll do part three. I don't know if we'll need it on the internet. But here I've given two lessons already on the classes. And uh, I want to review that with you. You've got the chart that's like this one up here on the screen, on the, on the wall. <clears throat> and if you'll look at that, let me take you through what we've covered thus far. Now this morning, I'm going to do some odds and ends. It's kind of going to be a smorgasbord. Uh, I'm going to show you a bunch of uh, things about the classes that are contradictory. I'm going to show you how Bible classes originated in the churches of Christ. I've got a chart on that we'll cover. Uh, I'm going to show you several things. And uh, so it'll just be a smorgasbord of information, and I want to tie all the loose ends of this study together today. I want you to understand this study, what we're teaching, why it's important that we follow the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> let's just uh, look at the top scripture up there underneath the title, and uh, 1 Corinthians 14, let me just read with you verse 26 through 40 again. Although we've read it the last couple of weeks, let's read it again. There are a lot of passages of scripture in the Bible that regulate us when we we gather. But by and large, this chapter contains the largest number of verses regulating our our assemblies when we gather like this. Paul said, how is it then, brethren, when you come together... Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. <clears throat> but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, and that means ask a question, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What came the word of God out from you, or came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues, let all things be done decently and in order. We, um, If you'll look at your outline there on the left column, we first defined some terms that we used during our study. We talked about the church, how it's used three different ways in Scripture. Sometimes referring to the one body worldwide. Sometimes it refers, when you read the word church, to a local congregation. And so, sometimes it refers to the church when it's assembled. It refers to the assembly. And I pointed out that that's how we'd be using it in, our, in the course of this study, the assembly. Uh, we talked about uh, what an assembly is, what constitutes an assembly, and such things as that. And, and I showed you that uh, when the church is gathered by its leadership for singing or prayer or teaching or the Lord's Supper, We've got an assembly, and when we have an assembly, the rules, the regulations for assemblies like we just read in Corinthians apply. Every time we meet, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, if we meet Wednesday evening, if we have gospel meetings, when the church is gathered for this purpose, for worship and edification and such things, we have an assembly of the church, and there are commandments that regulate our behavior. Now, these commandments do not apply outside the church. They don't. We're not obligated to keep them. For example, in the church, we speak one by one. Women are to keep silent. Everything's to be done decent and in order. Outside the assemblies, we're not under those restrictions. In the assembly, when we break bread, I don't put jelly on the bread, and you don't either, but I do at home. You see, when we gather in assemblies like this, our conduct is different than what it is outside the assemblies. And there's a sense in which you and I are in the church 24 hours a day, we're never out of it. Once we obey the gospel and we're added to the church, we're in the church. But we're not always in the assembly, you see. And therefore our conduct is different. So when the church is gathered, we have commandments here to regulate us. I took you through those commandments. In fact, I've taken you through them kinda twice, actually. Look in the second column. There's the regulations for all assemblies. Paul said to come together. He didn't say divide into groups. Come together. Let all things be done to edify. Any tongues or languages unknown in the assembly are to be interpreted or the speaker keeps silent. We are to speak one by one so that all can learn from that speaker. We're told to control our speaking, that any confusion arising from men speaking more than one at a time is not of God. He said the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. We have control of our speech. He tells the women to be silent, to not ask questions, that it's a shame for them to speak in the assemblies. That doesn't apply outside the assembly, but it does inside. Paul said that these are the commandments of the Lord. This is what Jesus says. These are not suggestions, and the violation of them is sin. Uh, He said, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. That is, let him suffer the consequences of his ignorance. One translation of this says, if any does not recognize these, he is not recognized. There are some brethren that won't recognize these commandments of the Lord, in which case we don't recognize them. He said to covet, to prophesy, and I I told you in verse 3, when you prophesy, you speak to men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. You edify, exhort, and comfort. We do that today, not miraculously, but through the Word, whereas they did it miraculously in the first century. We are desired to prophesy. We're not to forbid to speak in tongues. We're not to forbid anyone to speak in a language unknown to the assembly as long as there's an interpreter. And then he says and sums it up, let all things be done decently and in order. Every time, brethren, when we meet, these commandments apply when we have an assembly. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, as I said, Wednesday evening, gospel meetings. And they are a package of commandments. Where one of them applies, all of them do. In other words, where we've got to do things decently and in order, women have to be silent and men have to speak one by one. Because this is a whole package of commandments, and they stand and fall together. Where one will not apply, none of them apply. They are a package, you see, because they apply in one place, and that's in the assemblies of the church. And then I showed you bulletins and brochures and service schedule signs, where brethren, when we're not discussing classes, recognize these to be classes. Recognize them to be assemblies, that is. And we talked about that. And then I gave you a study of 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Would you look at the third column from the left, second from the right. <coughs> On the chart I'll point to it here, but it's there's a parallel here between Timothy and Corinthians. This parallel is important. If you will understand it, you will understand this issue. That Timothy and Corinthians teach the same thing that they are parallel, that they apply only in one place and that's in the assemblies, that outside the assemblies neither one of them apply on women. Women do not have to be silent outside the assemblies. Women may teach men outside the assemblies. They just may. They may have authority over men. That's that's even shown in the Bible and I took you through that. I'll talk about it in just a minute. Let's look at this parallel again. Look at Timothy, we'll go straight across to Corinthians. Timothy, let the woman learn. Corinthians, if they will learn. Timothy, in silence. Corinthians, let your women keep silence. Timothy, with all subjection. Corinthians, to be under obedience. Timothy, I suffer not a woman to teach. Corinthians, for it's not permitted unto them to speak. Timothy, nor to usurp authority over the man. Corinthians, they're commanded to be under obedience. Timothy, but to be in silence... Corinthians shame for women to speak. They teach the same thing, see. They're parallel. And Thayer in his Greek lexicon says that the word silence in Timothy and the word silence in Corinthians are synonyms. They are synonymous. The Greek word here in Timothy for silence, and it's used in verse 11 and verse 12, is the Greek word Hesukia. It's found four times in your New Testament. Hesuchia. And the word in Corinthians is Sageo, S A G I O. It's found several times, and uh, both of them mean silence. Even though they're different Greek words, they are synonyms. We have synonyms in our English language that are different words, but they're synonymous. You know, I might loose a horse or I might untie a horse. In that sense, untie and loose are synonyms, they're different words. We have all kinds of synonyms in our language. The Greek is that way. It has synonyms. And just because you have different Greek words, sometimes those words mean the same thing. They're just synonymous. And that's what Thayer says about this word silence. Wherever Timothy applies, Corinthians applies. Wherever Corinthians applies, Timothy applies. They are parallel. They apply in one spot, one place. And that's church assemblies. They do not apply anywhere else on women. And so you ladies are not commanded to be under obedience or in silence outside the assemblies unless you're a married woman to your husband, of course, or or perhaps a a young daughter at home growing up under the the guidance and and authority of your father, of course. There's subjection roles there. Uh, But nonetheless, these verses as they apply here in regard to speaking and teaching apply only in the assemblies. I showed you now over on the right side... In the corner there, there are six commands for women to be silent. From Corinthians, let your women keep silence in the churches. It is not permitted unto them to speak. It is a shame for women to speak in the church. From Timothy, let the woman learn in silence. With all or I suffer not a woman to teach, but to be in silence. Six times God has told women to keep silence. Do we have six commandments saying thou shalt not use instrumental music? We don't have have one commandment, we just have New Testament silence. See? We have specific authority to sing. We wouldn't think of putting an instrument in here. Now we've got six commandments for women to keep silence. Why would we allow women to speak in the assemblies? See? We've got far more teaching against women speaking than we do instrumental music, even. And yet brethren will withhold from using instrumental music and they'll let women speak. It's amazing. Now, I raised a question when we got to this point uh, with you, and I'm reviewing this with you now. I raised a question, do you know of any scripture in the Bible that says a woman can't teach a man? I don't know of any. Wherever these these Passages apply on the silence of women. There a woman can't teach anyone. She can't teach a, a man, woman, or even a child. There she can't even ask a question. But I don't know of any scripture in the Bible that says a woman can't teach a man. A woman can teach a man. Outside the assemblies of the church. And I gave you four examples. We looked at Deborah back in Judges chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. I showed you Huldah back in Second Kings chapter uh, 22, verse 12 to 16. I showed you Anna, the prophetess, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. I gave you also uh, Priscilla, Aquila's wife, that helped teach Apollos, in Acts 18, and verses 24 to 26. Four examples where outside the assemblies a woman can teach a man. And then last week we drew our conclusion down at the bottom here. We raised the question down here, are church Bible classes assemblies of the church or non-assemblies? What category do we put them in? Do we say that they're assemblies? If we say classes or assemblies, then, of course, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2 would silence the women. There's the scripture down there in that second column at the bottom. Uh, From Corinthians, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it's not permitted unto them to speak. They're to be under obedience, as also saith the law. If they will learn anything, ask at home. It is a shame for women to speak in the church. From Timothy, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So if we say that classes are assemblies of the church, then these verses silence women. They, They won't be able to read or speak or ask or comment or teach in any of those classes. If on the other hand, on the right side in the bottom corner, we say that assemblies, uh, that the classes are non-assemblies, that they're like house-to-house teaching. Then women can teach anyone in those classes, even men. In fact, the woman could be the teacher of the class. Because I showed you Deborah, Huldah, Anna, and Priscilla, and how these women taught men, and how Deborah even judged God's people in Judges chapter 4. And so it's not unlawful, unscriptural for a woman outside the assembly to teach men. Classes violate in either category. Now listen to me. If we say they're assemblies, they, of course, are allowing women in the classes to read and speak, ask and comment and teach. That violates Corinthians and Timothy. If we say they're non-assemblies, brethren are still violating them because... They let a woman read in the classes, they let her speak, they let her comment on scripture, they let her ask questions, and they'll let her teach anyone but a man. And that violates, of course, scripture because outside the assemblies a woman can teach a man, but brethren won't let her. You see, brethren that have classes won't allow women to be the teacher of the class if there's mixed males and females in there of a certain age. They just will not allow it. They say that she can't take authority over the man. Of course she can't. I gave you four examples where a woman can teach a man. If classes are not assemblies, brethren are making a law where God didn't make one. They're saying a woman can't teach a man. Yes, she can, see. So they're speaking, they're binding where God didn't bind, and that's dangerous, as much so as violating what God specifically said. Either category that you put classes in then, they violate the scriptures. That's what I want you to see. Now that's where we've gotten to now in our last two studies. Of course, uh, we used a lot more detail than that. But uh, I want to put up another chart, and you have this in your hands now. It's called the Origin and Evolution. The Bible Classes Among Churches of Christ. And I want us to look at this chart. One of the brethren asked me to deal with this. And let me tell you what I did years ago. And this has been many years ago, back in the the 1970s, if if you want me to date myself a little bit. I began to interview older brethren. Brethren that had seen the class systems go in among churches of Christ. Back when, uh, back especially when rural rural churches had classes, and uh, these older brethren told me what they had eyewitnessed. They sh- they told me the origin, how slowly classes were adopted by the churches of Christ, and uh, how they evolved over the course of time. And so, uh, I got several eyewitnesses to that. One one set of eyewitnesses was David Benson's parents. Both his father and his mother had seen this evolution. And uh, Jerry Paul, I interviewed an old preacher from Tennessee named N.E. Rhodes that you've heard of that was among the preacher system. But N.E. watched this go in over in the Nashville area. And so he, he gladly told me all about it and shared with me what he had seen as a young man when he watched the class system go in among Churches of Christ. And so I drew out a chart here for you that I want you to have. And I'm going to show you how classes started among us, among Churches of Christ, and how they eventually evolved to where they are this day. In this first phase up there in the left side, you'll see the scriptural practice. Churches used to meet just like us. They met in an undivided assembly, men speaking one by one, and women silent. That's how the church was set up when the restoration movement first occurred in this country. So I have it diagrammed. You see a man there in the pulpit. You see everybody there in the pews. They're in a together arrangement. The congregation was called by the leadership for edification. This was considered an assembly. And so all the commandments were obeyed. And there was authority for arranging it this way. We have a command to meet together. Hebrews 10.25 says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. We're told in Acts 20 and 7 on the first day of the week, the disciples came together to break bread. You'll never find the church being gathered for worship and edification and dividing into groups. You never find that. It's always a together arrangement. Another example in 1 Corinthians 14, I showed you... uh, a Sunday or two ago, verse 23, verse 26, Paul said, when you come together. And so the early church always met in a together arrangement. but there is no exception in Scripture. And if you want a real challenge, take your New Testament and try to find where the church was gathered by the leadership for teaching and then divided into groups ever, or classified by age or gender or any other way. They never met that way. And there was a reason for meeting together like we do. Because you parents, for example, are going to hear today the same things your children will be taught. You'll know what your children get taught. If you go down the hallway to a classroom with Sister Jones or Brother Smith, you don't know what they're going to get taught down there. They may get taught the truth. They may not. You'll never know because you're not there to hear what they're hearing. We speak one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. And these little ones can learn in these assemblies. You know, uh, the Bible says in one place where God says my doctrine will drop as the rain. When rain falls, it will furnish the water that a, a large oak needs, just a huge oak. It'll water that oak. But there might be a little old bitty fern or a little bitty plant right there in the forest with it. And that little plant just gets what it needs, too, see. And that's how it is in these assemblies. We get what we can, can take because at certain ages, you see, we can't eat strong meat. And, uh, and so as this doctrine is taught, these children pick it up. They learn to behave. They learn to be reverent in these assemblies because they're sitting here in our midst, either with us or, or close by. And they're taught to sing, and they're taught to give reverence. And it's a wonderful thing for families to sit and worship together and not send them off down the hallway somewhere. So this is how the early church met, and these examples were always a together arrangement. The authority for regulating was 1 Corinthians 14. It was obeyed. Men spoke one by one. Women were silent. Everything was decent and in order. Timothy was fully obeyed, the woman learned in silence with all subjection, and women were not permitted to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. Now this was the original practice. Churches of Christ had this practice when the restoration movement began, and even back in the first century, they practiced exactly like we do here in Elm Springs, okay? Now, a second phase happened. There was a practice that started, and uh, Brother Rhodes explained this to me rather well. He said it was called reading around. Churches of Christ met just like we are here now. What they started doing in their assemblies, anyone that could read, this was women and sometimes even the children, they just went around the room, and anybody that could read, they read a verse or whatever, see. And then people eventually, of course, began to make comments about it, or or raise questions. They started this practice of reading around. They still stayed in a together arrangement and everything and they still spoke one by one. Uh, This was considered an assembly but they now let women read, see, in phase two. And so they they still kept it together and followed the authority for that. And uh, yet 1 Corinthians 14 was now broken. They still spoke one by one but women were reading and commenting And they still tried to keep it decent and in order. Uh, The authority in 1 Timothy 2 was now altered. Women read and commented with partial subjection. And uh, they usurped authority over the man in this reading and commenting. And the first, first thing that happened then that moved us toward classes was this idea of reading around. Where you let women and children and everyone read that wants to read in the assemblies. Of course, that violates Corinthians and Timothy, doesn't it, see? That's what happened. Brethren saw that they had a contradiction. They were a little worried about it. You know what they did? They moved into the corners and opened classes. They still met in the same room, but brethren went to the corners, and they formed groups in the corners. And there in the corners, you see, they had a class, and women taught some of those classes. That was the third phase of this. Uh, they decided we better get out of this together arrangement, and so they just busted up into corners. But if you'll think about it, it's the same group. It's still the assembly, they're just in corners. The only thing they've done is arrange themselves differently, see? So they're sitting in corners in open groups. Now that didn't work very well, as you can imagine, because you could look and see the other groups, and you could hear them as they talked. And so, brethren, Saul, we've got confusion here. This is not decent and in order. We got, we got more. We're not speaking one by one. Women are not being silent. Uh, this is there's some confusion here. So you know what the fourth phase was? They hung curtains. They stayed in the corners, but they, they hung curtains up around that corner and pulled the curtains to where they couldn't see each other, and that muffled the sound a little bit. And incidentally, uh, if some of you know where Clifty, Arkansas is, Clifty, Clifty's a little town, uh, if you were coming out of Hinesville and you went north on 45 to intersect Highway 12 coming out of Rogers, and you turned right, you'd go through a little town called Clifty on the way over there to Highway 23 that goes up to Eureka. There at Clifty a few years ago, I remember seeing an old church building sitting there, and it got my curiosity. It was a Christian church, Disciples of Christ. I went and looked in the window. They still had curtains. They still had that practice. They didn't have the classrooms. They just had curtains. And uh, I don't know if they're still that way today or not. I haven't gone and looked in the window in a long time to see what they had, but... So I know there was this practice, and I've been told by brethren that that's what they did. They just drew a curtain around them. That way they couldn't see each other, and it kept down some confusion, but they could still hear each other. And so that led to the next phase, the fifth phase. They walled off classrooms. Where those curtains were, they built walls. See, They got behind the walls. That muffled the sound now. That killed the sound that took care of the site. It's still the same group, it's just that what was in the corners are now walled off in classrooms. This was the evolution of this. They met like we did first. The second phase, they let women read around. In the third place, they had the open classes in the corners. Fourth phase, they hung curtains. And now the fifth phase, where we're at today, is they have walled off classrooms. And churches don't start like this today, they just start with classes full blown. And of course this is the violation. If you'll notice the diagrams up here under each one of these phases, this is the same group of people. You see, it's still the assembly, whatever you do with it, because any way that that you look at this, the only difference is that the, the church is just arranged differently. Classes are not a way of teaching, they are an arrangement for teaching. You know, uh, if you have a together arrangement like we do, you still have to have a method. You have to have a lecture method or, or you have to have uh, a question and answer method. There are different methods you can use to teach. If you're in classes, you've got to have a lecture method or a question and answer. Classes are not a method of teaching. They're an arrangement. Would you notice with me that this is the same group? Look on the left. Everybody's together. Even when they start reading around, they're together. These are assemblies. <clears throat> Notice when they divide into open corners. Just go to open corners. That's the same group. This is the church. These are assemblies, see. Getting in corners, trying to get away plain verses of Scripture, just don't work. When they hung the curtains over here in the corners, it's the same group. That's the church behind the curtains, see. You pull them back, you could serve the Lord's Supper. See, same way with the classrooms. See, it's still the church gathered. They just they're just behind thicker walls. That's the only difference. See, and so my point to you is, in showing you this chart, and this is true. This is how the, the classes evolved in, in the churches. Uh, that uh, these classes are assemblies of the church, no matter how you how you look at it. That's just what they are. I wanted you to have this chart. I have it in my book, but I didn't have one built, and I worked on this last night till about 1230, and got it made, because David wanted me to present this, and I think he had a good request in doing that, so there it is, and that's yours to keep. There's another chart I want to show you, and it's, uh, let me lay it up here, and you can see what it is, because you've got it in your hands. I want to, I want you to look at something here. I want to ask you about this chart, have you look at it, show you some contradiction here. I don't know if I can get that stuck in the tray or not. Let me see if I can, see if it'll lay down a little bit for us. All right. The title of this is, Please List the Scriptures that regulate the actions of women in these three settings. What I've done for you here is I've shown you over on the left a together arrangement of the church, like it uh, in a lot of churches that have classes from 11 to 12, they meet out in the auditorium. And uh, here's the current practice in Churches of Christ. Look down below. You'll see the classrooms are empty, everybody's in the auditorium. And the practice here is that women may not audibly read the Scripture. They cannot ask questions. They're not allowed to comment on Scriptures. They're not to audibly speak at these gatherings. They may not teach anyone, even a child. And I want the Scriptures that regulate that. And, of course, it's 1 Corinthians 14, 34, 35, if you write them in there. 1 Timothy 2:11 and 12. Look over on the right. Here's house-to-house teaching. These are personal situations that all of us have where the church has not been gathered by its leadership for the purpose of edification. And these may include any of the following personal teaching situations. We can teach in the home and in homes. We often do that. These are not church assemblies. We might uh, talk the Bible with somebody, meet them at a restaurant. I've studied with people in restaurants over meals. Sometimes you'll run into somebody, uh, uh, you're riding with them, traveling somewhere, and you discuss the Bible. These are personal teaching, see? At the workplace, sometimes we talk to folks at work, they have a question, we show them scripture, shopping centers, sometimes we'll have a private cottage meeting or a home study, then there's regular family devotionals. Sometimes you run on to folks at the post office or supermarket and you strike up a Bible conversation, and other opportunities for teaching. Every one of us have these house-to-house opportunities like this, these individual uh, settings where we teach. Uh, you can talk to Keith and Rhonda. They do a lot of this. When they go to restaurants, they'll talk to the waitress, or they'll invite her to church. I've heard them do it many times. Uh, they're constantly trying to get people to watch videos and watch our our live streams and things like this. They do a lot of personal teaching. And a lot of us do this. And here's the current practice among us. In these settings, women can audibly read Scripture. They can ask questions. They can comment on the Scriptures. They can speak in these situations. And they can teach anyone, including men. And the Scriptures that prove this are Judges 4, verse 4-7. to 7, 2 Kings 22 down there, Luke 2, verse 34 to 38, and Acts 18, verse 24 to 26. That's Deborah, Huldah, Anna, and Priscilla. Women uh, do not, are not under the restrictions of silence and things in these settings. Now let's look at the center column. These are church Bible classes, and I, I set up a class system like you'll see in a lot of the larger churches uh when it comes times for class, uh, usually the senior citizens stay in the auditorium. They don't make them get up. Uh, they let them have the seats there in the auditorium. And they remain seated there for, for all the services. There'll be a man that'll teach that class. It'll be a mixed class of males and females. And uh, a lot of times he may speak from the pulpit or the communion table or he may have a little lecture stand that he uses, doesn't matter, <clears throat> but um, that's, in a, that's, that, that's an auditorium class for seniors. Some of the other classes you'll often see is there'll be older married people, that's always taught by a man. Uh, you'll see young singles, that'll be taught by a man. These will be mixed classes of men and women. You'll see young marrieds uh, taught by a man or senior high boys and girls. They use men to teach those classes. When it comes to kindergarten boys and girls, the real young ones, well usually a woman does that. Junior high, they insist that a man teach the boys and girls there because they think the boys are getting a little old for a woman there to have authority over them. Infants and preschool, they let a woman teach and the elementary boys and girls, they let a woman have that class. And so here's the current practice among churches of Christ down here at the bottom. In these classes right here that I've got diagrammed for you, women can audibly read Scripture. They allow them to read in every one of them. Women can ask questions in any one of these classes. Women can comment on the Scriptures in any one of them. Women can audibly speak in these gatherings, every class. And in these classes, women can teach anyone except a man. Where's the scripture that says this? Where's the scripture that says a woman can read, speak, ask, comment, and teach anyone but a man? There is no scripture. Because anywhere a woman can speak, and anywhere a woman can ask a question, she can teach a man. And anywhere a woman can't teach a man, she can't ask a question because that's the assemblies. Outside the assemblies, women have always been able to teach men. That's what I'm trying to get you to see about Bible classes here. If these are not assemblies, then women certainly could teach men, because women can do that outside assemblies. Brethren will tell you our classes are not assemblies, but they won't let their women teach men. Why? Because they know what we know. They're not assemblies. That's the church gathered and divided into groups. They are assemblies, and therefore they violate the Scripture. I wanted you to see that chart and uh, everything and to have a copy of it. I hope that helps you a little bit more. Now, I want to tie up some loose ends before I shut up and uh, conclude this series. I have, every now and then, somebody will ask a question, how come a woman, then, if she's to be silent in church like we are here today, how come women can sing? You know what? I think that's a great question. How is it that women can sing and yet they got to be silent in the assemblies? How can they do both? Don't you think that's a great question? Let's talk about that a little bit. There's an answer to that. And I don't know if I've got a marker or not. Let me see here. I'm going to have you look up some scripture either in your Bible or on your phone. I want you to go to Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, and uh, verse 18 and 19. Paul says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When you and I sing, we speak. Note that passage. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You ever tried singing without speaking? Kind of hard to do, isn't it? So when we sing, we speak. And yet Paul says to the women, it's not permitted unto them to speak. See. Now go to Colossians 3.16. Show you something else we do when we sing. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When you sing, you teach. Look at that. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What have I showed you in these two verses? That when you sing, you speak. That when you sing, you teach. If Paul then tells women not to speak in church, not to speak or not to teach in the assemblies, how then can women sing? Because in singing we speak and teach. That's an interesting question, isn't it? Could it be that the Speaking and teaching that we do in singing is different than what Paul's forbidding men to do, or women to do. It is. Um, go to First Corinthians fourteen with me now. Look at verse thirty-one, brethren. Let me let me let me say something about 1 Corinthians fourteen. This is the chapter that tells women to be silent and we we read this chapter and we think well, 1 Corinthians 14 is just about regulating women. No, it's not. There are more regulations in the chapter on men than there are women. The men are told to do everything to edify. The men are told that when they speak in a language unknown, they're to have an interpreter. The men are told to prophesy one by one. The men are told to do all things decently and in order. Most of the commandments in the chapter are given to men. There are restrictions here upon women, but I want you to look at verse 31. Paul said, for you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. We are to speak one at a time. Now brethren, here's the point. Now get this. Stay with me. We sing. uh, When we sing, we speak. When we sing, we teach. And yet Paul's telling us here in 1 Corinthians 14 to speak one by one. If the speaking and the teaching that are done in singing are the speaking and teaching that are forbidden of women and that men do one by one, all we could have would be male solos. Brethren that usually argue about singing, they'll say, well, uh, I'll, I'll have brethren say to me, well, uh, if women have to be silent like you're saying here, why how can women sing? Usually those that make this argument to you are, uh, they're, they're people that have classes and they let their women sing in their auditorium, in their, what they call their assembly, but they won't let them speak or teach, see. They know the difference. The speaking and the teaching done in singing is not what is forbidden of women. Uh, It's not the same. And it's certainly not the speaking that men must do one by one. Uh, If it is, then all we can have is male solos. I don't know if you all are ready for male solos. Is that the kind of song service you want? I hope you see what I'm saying. I hope you see the logic of this. Let me say it again in case somebody didn't catch it. You sing and you speak when you teach. Women are forbidden to speak and teach, yet women are allowed to sing. Why? Because the singing, because the speaking and teaching that women are forbidden to do is not the same as the speaking and teaching done in singing. You see, we all do that simultaneously like we did this morning. Nobody's usurping authority over anybody else because we're all doing it together. The only one that has authority over us is the song leader. And he tells us how many verses, and he sets the pitch, and he sets the tempo, and all of this. And we're in submission to him, every one of us. But we're all doing this simultaneously, and we're, we're teaching and admonishing each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, we're speaking. And of course, nobody's usurping authority here. This has not been given strictly to the male to sing. If singing had been given strictly to men only, then women couldn't sing. But it's been given to all of us to do. It's part of our worship. And this is obviously not the speaking and teaching uh, that women are forbidden to do and men are to do one by one. It's different. See, and, and brethren everywhere know this. They really know this. They're just throwing up a smoke screen. I wanted to show you how to handle that argument. You'll run into that argument. I'll just have to tell you, I can't illustrate them. I wanted to illustrate them on the board, and I can't. Um, one of them is called the, it's called the come a little closer argument. <laughs> what brethren will do sometimes that have classes is, you got to picture a, picture a church building up here. And they'll, uh, they'll bring somebody in a car from this side, and they're, they're, they're talking the Bible. And uh, they'll ask, can they study the Bible on the way to church? And of course, the answer is yes, they can. Then they bring another group from this side, and they're coming in a car, and they'll ask if they can study. Yeah, they can study as they ride along. Then they bring another one from this side and another one from the other side. In other words, from all four sides. And every one of them are studying the Bible on the way to church. When they get to the church building, they take the wheels off the cars and turn them into classrooms. And they say, well, why is it that on the way to church they could study the Bible, but now they get down here to the building and uh, they, they say, this is just like our classes. Look at this so you got a building and here's somebody coming and they're having their study and they're coming from every direction and they're talking in their cars now when they get down to the building they're all having Bible studies there's simultaneous teaching see then they want to take the wheels off the cars and turn them into classrooms and they say this is all we're doing We just got different groups studied. How would you answer that? You only have to do one thing. Just put a woman in the car teaching. In every one of these. And have boys and girls, males and females all in there. And they'll give up that argument because they won't let women teach. Males and females in their classes, see? They understand that this is a different situation out here than it is at the building, and so do we. See, And so the argument proves nothing. Uh, <clears throat> I showed you uh, one, other, one or two more arguments I want to show you. I did these maybe last week or week before. Let's do them again. I showed you, here is a class, and it has a woman teaching it. She has some boys and girls. Now I'm going to raise this question. At what age, at what age, Does this woman have to quit teaching these boys because she'd be usurping authority over a man? You know what the class brethren say about age twelve, or if the boy gets baptized, and if you watch the class system practice, <clears throat> they will take the uh, the mixed class away from a woman when these boys get twelve or when they're baptized. Where's the scripture that says a woman can't teach a boy over age 12? Where's the scripture that says a woman can't teach a baptized male? Where is that scripture? Let's suppose that, uh, let's suppose that this woman is a mother. One of the boys is her son. Now they go to the house. you got mother now over here in the home. you got her son. This is said to not be assembly. The class is said to be on par with the home. Does this mother have authority over this 12-year-old boy now? What if he says to her, Mom, I'm going to go out with the other boys. I'll be in around midnight. She says, Son, I want you in here by 10 o'clock. He said, Mom, I said midnight, and that's how it's going to be. Does she have authority over that boy? She needs to tear his behind up, doesn't she? (laughs) Of course she does. Can a mother teach a 12-year-old boy the Bible at home? Of course she can. Can she teach a 16-year-old boy? Can she teach her husband? Yes. She can teach a man. I've shown you she can teach away from the assemblies. Then, what's the problem? If these classes are not in assemblies, what's the problem with a woman teaching a 12 year old boy? I'll tell you what the problem is. Class brethren know that these classes are assemblies and they're just a little bit afraid to adopt that practice. This is a glaring contradiction. Now, let me show you one more. Uh, The elders have set this up and they've made these rules. Uh, let's suppose an elder wants to go into this class to oversee this woman's teaching. Can she go, can he go in here and oversee her teaching? If this elder comes into this class to kind of oversee and see what's, what's being said and what she's teaching these kids, she's going to be teaching this elder Because they don't allow a woman to teach a man in the classes. See, this is a contradiction. Brethren have said that a woman here can't teach a man over 12. If that's the case, an elder can't even go in to oversee her teaching. You see, they have set up a practice that by their own rules, they can't even oversee. And what I told you... uh, last Sunday or Sunday before, is that when you properly interpret the Bible, you don't have these kind of contradictions. Everything will harmonize, see. And so the very fact that they have problems like this, and I'm just scratching the surface on them, (coughs) shows you the problem they have with this practice. That's why when we set the congregation up here, we avoided a class system because you run into contradictions and violations of scripture that are sin. And uh, I showed you us on the ark how that uh, when they moved the ox the, uh, the 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 ark of God there that they used an ox cart. God wanted that ark hand carried. God has given specific commandments on how we're to teach in our assemblies. And uh, brethren may think they've got a better idea than God, but nobody's got a better idea than God. Brethren, our, our, our children can learn in these arrangements, and if you'll teach your kids at home and supplement uh, some of the teaching that's done here and reinforce it, you'll have kids that are knowledgeable of the Bible. You'll get them grounded in the faith, and they'll, they'll be faithful to the Lord for the rest of their lives. All of that can be done without a class system without violating scripture in the way that God wants it done. That's what we're trying to do. We said that we would be people of the book, that we would follow the book, that that's what this congregation would practice. This is our practice here. And I wanted you to understand why years ago, in fact, in about 1974, 1975, I left the class system. And I was seeing seeing problems with it back then. I've never been back in all this time, 50 years or so. And uh, so these are some of the reasons why. And that's going to conclude this series uh, now on on the classes, unless there are other questions. And if any of you have questions, I'll be glad to talk to you individually and try to answer those. These charts are yours to keep. There may be some left from other studies that we've done in this series. Feel free to check out there on the desk and grab them if there's some left out there that you need and take these with you if you'd like to have them. And uh, let me know if there's other questions. Incidentally, before I close today, I told you that uh, there's a reason why we don't use one man as the preacher of a congregation. And before long, I want to deal with that subject as well. I want our children to hear it. I know there are other people that are probably interested in that. And uh, so I'll uh, bring a lesson on that very soon, maybe next month. We'll see about that. (coughs) Excuse me. The lesson's yours. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope it's not been offensive. We've, we've tried not to be offensive. If I've raised my voice a little bit, it's just trying to, trying to press a point, okay? And get you to see it. So thank you for your good attention. Let's have an invitation song, and should anyone need our Lord this morning, we are not in a hurry. We invite you to come forward, have a seat at the front, and let us know how we can assist as we rise and sing the song. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.